0: Second This is the Hermetic Hour, I'm your host, Folk Runyon, and tonight we present a discussion on the alleged parallel world or trans-dimensional aerial kingdom of the sylphs known as Magonia. That was documented in medieval histories and has recently inspired a fantasy novel of that title, Magonia, by Maria Edley. Uh, 2015, and and was the main theme for the UFO authority Jacques Vallée's Passport to Megonia, 1969 and and 1993, which dealt with the Megonian Close Encounters from the 9th century, and other supernatural visitations recounted in European folklore as early examples of alien sightings, close encounters, and abductions. On through to the mysterious airship reports from the American West in the 1890s, comparing them with modern reports and investigations. As Jacques Vallée contends and as hermetic devotees, we certainly concur with him, that most of these events are interdimensional rather than extraterrestrial, that there are parallel worlds coexisting with us as near to us as our furniture. Now, this is also the main theme of our film, Beyond Lemuria, 2007, reissued in 2014, and as I mentioned last week, is set forth in the old hermetic book Comte de Gabalae, which was first published in seventeen sixty. So if you'd like to spend an hour in the absolute elsewhere, stay with us and we'll take you down the rabbit hole. Well let's begin by my review on on Amazon of Maria uh, Davana Headley's Magonium. Well, this is a science fiction novel that reads like a work of literature. It is so good that I had to force myself to read it. <laughs> you know, I've always been a pulp fiction reader and writer. I grew up on Edgar Rice Burroughs, and so when it comes to adventure fantasy, stories set on other worlds. I have little patience with catharsis exposition and introspective character development. Start with a bang and end with a boom. But in this case, the slow, painful beginning is necessary. The author has carefully plotted her story based on medieval reports of contact with the Magonian sky people, our hermetic sylphs, and fairy folklore. The protagonist, Oza Ray, is a Magonian switched at birth with a human baby. As a high-altitude creature, she suffers uh, through human childhood with chronic respiratory problems. She is not expected to live past 16. So the first two chapters were uncomfortable reading, especially for me. I had asthma when I was a kid. But it was necessary to give Asa's eventual return to the sky world, a physical, emotional reality that most fiction of this genre fails to achieve. Well, another notable example of this is Philip K. Dick's Palace, where we have to suffer through the protagonist's madness to appreciate his vision. Maria Hadley decides to avoid interdimensional special effects and opts for the old fashioned fairyland rationale. You know, some people can see fairies and fairies can be seen by others, but if the only if the fairies want them to want them to see them, you know, like the old Irishman said when, when they asked him, uh, 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 uh can, can, can we see the fairies? And he, he said, Well, you can see them if they want you to. And uh, the Magonians in uh, Hedley's book have a symbiotic and transformational relationship with birds. Their serving class, the roastery are avian shapeshifters who can become birds at lower altitudes. Now, each Magonian has a heart bird that nests inside the chest in the lung and sings magical songs with the host. Now, Aza has a heartbird called the Milkit. Aza has a special destiny and a mission, and this is why she was swapped out as a baby. Her songs can save Magonia
1: and perhaps
0: destroy the surface world in the process. Now, the Magonian ships hide in the clouds, and they follow the storm clouds over farmland to pick up the earthly crops scattered by the storm. Now The French, back in the 9th century, even passed laws against them. Uh, and I I don't want to give away too much of the plot, but this crop rating is a major issue in the story. The Magonians are hungry, and they control the storms with airborne whales, what they call squall whales, sort of an organic harp system. And I wonder how the squall whales stay, stay aloft. Now, I solved this problem in my Sky world novel, Drellmaster, by having both plants and animals in my imaginary world. Uh, and, and the animals included giant squids, which I call drells. And they produced buoyant gases. Now, the plants made buoyant seed pods, uh and the uh, and the drills and and, and uh, other aerial animals uh produced uh, buoyant gas organically in their systems and they had fly bladders like a sw- like a fish 's swim bladder now um uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna deviate from my review a little bit here, and and and, uh, and discuss some of uh, some of Maria Hadley's Hadley's um, solutions to uh, uh, to propelling her airships and. And uh, lack of solutions for keeping them aloft, and, and compare it to things I did in Drown Master. But uh, see, you know, how, how do you propel? How do you propel an airship? Especially, you know, if we're if we're talking about the uh, you know they, they first appeared in the ninth century, way back in Charlemagne's time, uh, and uh, and they were described as as, as as sailing ships in the sky. Well. The way uh, the way uh, Maria Headley does it is she has aerial creatures. Megonia is filled with these aerial creatures—owls, uh, eagles, and all these different kinds of birds that that, that are. Some of them are. Uh, very you know, obviously very intelligent. They're the Ostrary. They're the and they're the shapeshifters. They can, when they go down to Earth, they they uh, they they change into giant, in you know, big eagles and big owls and whatever. And uh, but then then when they're up in the uh, when they're up in the uh, Magonian stratosphere, they're they're um they're they're kind of humanoid with wings. They sort of look like that, that, that. you know, they look like that little owl in uh, in TripAdvisor. You know, that you see on, that you see in the television commercials. Uh, and um, but um, the way uh, Az's ship, the big ship, is propelled, they have a giant bat, a giant bat, and this bat, and and and, and he he's really not enslaved. He he's this Indian being. But he propels the ship with his bat wings. He's a huge bat, uh, you know, uh, with a with a with a hundred and, hundred foot wingspan, and and he's and he's harnessed to the mast, and they 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 call him the bat sail, and the bat sail, you know, you can even talk to the bat sail, and 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 these so, Magonia uh, is uh, is peopled by these by these uh, hybrid creatures. That are part, uh, you know, that are part uh, animal and part bird and and uh, and part bat, whatever, and and the Magonios themselves, of course, are are uh, adapted to, uh, to to high altitude life, like the same as my uh, as my barkers and Drillmaster. They're they're adapted to high altitude living, and of course, poor Asa who was uh, Magonian uh switched with a with a human baby. She almost dies as she's growing up. In fact they don't expect her to live past sixteen because she has these terrible respiratory problems. And her lungs aren't in the right place and, and, and uh her physio- her physiology is completely different. Uh but uh you know the other thing uh, that that that, that, I, that, that, that uh, Maria does not uh, deal with in this um, in this uh, construction of hers is she doesn't she doesn't do anything with uh, uh, with any kind of lift capability like uh, like buoyant like uh, as they say like like buoyant gas and I I. I wrestled with these problems when I when I uh, created my sky world. I I, I wrestled with these problems. Unfortunately, I was working for a technical company at the time, and I had I had some engineers, uh, some engineer buddies, and they they kind of helped me. They helped me design sailing airships and 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 uh, and how do you know how do we keep these things aloft? Well, I conceived of of. Of seed pods that were filled with with, with this with this uh, um, uh, buoyant gas, and the seed pod would come up from the roots of the tree. And I had that these big uh, these big cedar trees were like banyan trees with root systems that went all over the ground, and and uh, and the seed pods would come up through the through the earth, and then they'd float up and float away, and then eventually burst and and seed more trees. Well. The way uh, the, I, the way I got my sky islands up was that uh, I figured that, that some of these uh, seed pods would get caught under the under the root system and lift the whole tree up, and it would lift the whole tree up, and these trees would co- go all the way up into the clouds, and and then they would then they would link together and, and gradually form sky islands and and uh and that's that the way I s- solve that problem and, and as far as the ships as the airships are concerned uh we take these same Azure globes and put them in on wing decks on the airships and and then uh then what I would do is that it, it, if if you wanted to, if you wanted to you know, gain altitude. Uh, you you expose your 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 globes and your wing decks to the sun and and they heat up the your globes and you then you'd go aloft and if you wanted to descend you would you cover your your globes on the wing deck with tarpaulins and then soak them down and and that would that would shrink the uh the globes and and, and and you'd go down and uh then we had a great big wind like a like a Dutch windmill propeller and uh and I had one of my engineering buddies figure out how to get this thing going with a flywheel and then we had uh, we had galley slaves up there on the decks, you know, with a great big capstan, you know, going round and round and round with this this gigantic propeller. And uh and we used regular sails, you know, uh uh below below decks and you know and above and so we the the sailing airships um were were quite a project for us but, but you know but, but Maria doesn't do that in, in uh in Magonia. She she uh in fact she even has a floating city but she never describes how it stays up and um you know, of course, I I mentioned later later on here. I'm talking about Flash Gordon. Remember, in Flash Gordon, we had the Volta, had the city of the Hawkmen, and they 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 kept the city of the Hawkmen up with uh, with gray uh, atomic rays that that, uh, that that kept them up, and and um, naturally they had. Uh, they had, uh, they had a black gang of slaves sho- shoveling radium into the furnaces in the in the sky city to keep, to keep to keep it up there, but so so this is one of the one one of the uh, weaknesses. As I said, I can't figure out how she keeps her squall whales up um, aloft. So this is one of the things that. But she has a sequel. She has a sequel called Harry coming out. Uh, it's already out, and uh, and uh, you know maybe maybe she's dealt with some of these uh, some of these problems, but but she has she does suggest that maybe that maybe the Magonians originally had farms of air plants. And of course immediately I like, Oh my gosh, are there are airplants edible? Yeah, we found out that airplant there are some airplants that are edible. There are air potatoes. They're about the size of little little tomatoes. <laughs> but but they're supposed to be very good. So so they could have had uh, the Magonians could have had airplant uh airplant farms, but then somehow or other their airplant farms um their airplant farms either got destroyed or depleted and and uh, and then they then then at that point they started their 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 storm magic using their squall whales and and started their 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 storms and then sweeping down and 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 uh, gleaning or or gathering up the scattered harvest after the storms and of course that got them in trouble and uh, uh, and as I said the uh, the the medieval French even passed laws against them and uh so uh, this this magonia uh especially the 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 old uh, ninth century French accounts, and then actually there were there were later accounts and you know, then in, in the Irish annals of Ulster uh this this kept going on all the way through the middle ages there in the eleventh century there were there were magonian uh, uh, incidents in fact, in one case in Ireland, in Ireland they came over and and and, and hooked uh hooked a church steeple with one of their anchors and and the uh the prisoners cut the anchor cut the, the 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 anchor uh uh cable and and supposedly the the magonian uh, Sky anchor was stuck in the church steeple for several hundred years. I don't know whether it's still there or not, but uh, it. it uh, this is you know this this story was authenticated by a number of people, and there were several other incidents uh, of this. But uh, I, as I said, I. I, I I have a lot of questions, and maybe the second, maybe the sequel, I'll, I'll get some answers to them. Of what kind of solutions that she's come up to, come up with on how to how to keep things elevated, and because for one thing that 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 uh, that uh, she does not do is. As I say, any special effects, and that includes interdimensional doorways. You know, there's no Bermuda Triangle, there's no uh, wormhole, or there's no uh, going through a, you know, uh, like a, like going through a Stargate or anything like that. They're, they're in this. These um, the Magonians in her book are, are they're using that kind of fairy magic. In other words. If you're one of the if you're one of the people that can see them, then you'll see them, and and, uh, and then and 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 if they want you to see them, yeah, you'll see them. But otherwise, you won't see them. And they hide in the clouds, and and um, so, uh, and I mentioned here is that unfortunately, most of the plants in the Voynich manuscript they seem to have root systems, uh, but then. <laughs> You know, I was hoping that the Voynich Manuscript was suggesting that it might be written in Magonian. Uh, But it could be, but but most of the plants that are shown in there seem to have root systems, so so, uh, they don't look like air plants. Um, And uh, so we're going to need something like the Bermuda Triangle to navigate between worlds. And I said, oh, well, Oz was made invisible by magic. And I suppose Maria Devana uh, the, the Headley can do the same thing with Lagonian. Now, Aza has an earthly boyfriend, a super genius kid named Jason, who believes that she's dead uh, when she makes her ascent. But uh, she returns to him, and we are assured that we will see more. They will see more of each other in the sequel. And uh, I await her Harry, with bated breath. <laughs> And there's a kind of a pun in there because uh the breath the breath are human beings that uh that work for the, the Magonians. Uh and and one of them is uh is Isa's sister who who uh uh who she got swapped out for. And these are these are are captured human beings that that work as as agents, surface agents uh for the Magonians. And they have to when they're up there in Magonia, they have to wear breathing apparatus, of course, because they're there too high altitude. That's uh, that's the the essence of my um, of my review, and you can read that on Amazon. And by the way, you can also you can also buy Drillmaster on Amazon and uh and Drillmaster by Folk Run and I'd appreciate it if you would because you know we really would like to get sales on Drillmaster up and and uh and frankly uh you know I had I had some help uh, from from the master uh, Lynn Carter in in in, in building my in building my world in fact I've even got a uh, I've even got a uh, an article by Lynn Carter or a letter by Lynn Carter uh, on how to build worlds, how to how to build imaginary worlds in Drillmaster. That's worth the whole price of the whole book. This is by Lynn Carter, and it eventually became his book, Imaginary Worlds. It, 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 he expanded that letter into a whole book, uh, which I'm which I imagine. Uh, Maria Hadley has probably read Imaginary Worlds and how to build an imaginary world, and that's in that that original letter that became eventually became that book is in Drillmaster, and Drillmaster. So, so let's. uh, so let's let's go on Amazon and order Grillmaster and and and, uh, and, and, and 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 get and, and get Megynia too and and compare compare uh, compare my Sky World to hers. I, I and and and, uh, and you know I I'd, I'd appreciate that appreciate that and and uh, so anyway, as I said in the review. Ms. Headley has avoided special effects, dimensional portals, wormholes, stargates, and other quantum physics parallel world gimmicks, such as our intergraviton in Beyond Lemuria. That was, our, that was our interdimensional film. Now, and she made her Magonia invisible by magic, the same way that L. Frank Baum did with Oz after the Wright brothers opened the Air age, back in 1900s, the early 1900s. Now Henley's approach is similar to Richard Shaver's presentation of his inhabited cave world of the nineteen forties and fifties, Amazing stories. Physically impossible in our dimension, but nonetheless real. Now unlike Shaver's caves, she doesn't claim her Megonia is really up there. But she does not try to but she does try to make it convincing. Curiously enough, both Shaver and Headley both seem to be recasting folklore fairy tales and hermetic elemental personifications as forms and venues of separate realities. Actually, they are not alone in this. In the first half of the 20th century, our popular Pulp Fiction comic strips and movie serials exploited these themes and ideas to a remarkable degree. Dorothy Gale went to Oz. John Carter went to Mars. Flash Gordon went to Mongo. And flew with the Hawkman and he swam with the Sharkman and eventually became the king of the tavern-dwelling magic men. These fairies or hermetic elementals, the sylphs of the air, the salamanders of the fire, the undines of the water, the mermaids, and the gnomes of the earth, all have their invisible realms. Megonia is certainly the realm of the sylphs ruled by Queen Peralda. The other elemental realms have been given various names in folklore, but Megonia of the sylphs is the only one named in historical record. Now, the question we are asking in this broadcast is, how real is Magonia and the other elemental realms? The cavalier answer might be, well, how real do you want them to be? I had followed a family tradition and read the Oz books to my daughter from age five to nine each evening before she went to sleep. One day she came to me with a very serious expression and said, Daddy, I want to go to Oz. How do I get there? Well, I thought about this before answering, and I decided that I would be as truthful as I could be, which is the best way to be with a child, and give her the only magic secret I knew that would get her there. I picked up an Oz book, and I handed it to her, and I said, learn to read this yourself, and it will take you there, I told her. Well, she took my advice, and devoured all the Oz books, and by the time she had graduated from high school, she was writing her own science fiction and fantasy stories that were frankly better and more imaginative than what I had been writing in her age. Now in reflecting on this, I'm convinced that the human imagination is the greatest creative power in the universe. It is the power of God and his angels. It is the blueprint of the future, the vision of what is to be, and what is hidden from us in the other nows of the simultaneous, those dimensional layers or worlds of the multiverse that exist in the same spaces we share at differing levels of frequency and vibration. Is Megonia real? Is it really there in our sky? Well, let's read about the simultaneous. From Secrets of the Cavern World by Richard S. Shaver, and this is this is from the booklet that you get when you order when you order Beyond Lemuria Second Edition. You'll get Secrets of the Cavern World, and um, I'm going to read uh, read from this booklet because Richard Shaver was uh, he he came up with a with a theory that is. Quite quite frankly remarkable. Um, Now, let's see. He privately believed in this mysterious cavern world that was actually in another dimension, or a parallel world. In order for you to appreciate the significance of this concept in Shaver's universe, a little background is necessary. In the 1940s, it was just... Barely possible to imagine that survivors of an ancient race of extraterrestrials might still be living in a vast underground cavern network as Richard Shaver had envisioned, especially if you were a young teenage science fiction fan like I was. However, even Raymond A. Palmer, Shaver's editor and co conspirator in the Shaver mystery stories, tried to convince Shaver that his daros and taros of the caverns were astral spirits, not physical beings. In those days, the parallel worlds uh, theory was only a literary device, and Palmer Palmer's idea of ghosts on the astral plane was derived from an occult Bible called Oasphi that postulated spirits of the dead, ghosts in the stratosphere. No wonder Shaver rejected Palmer's suggestion. In in those days, uh, accessing other dimensions or parallel worlds was either fantasy or insanity. Dick Shaver kept his history of mental illness secret and had an instinctive fear of admitting that his visions were in any way unreal. Even so, in his true cover stories, Entering the subterranean world is a dreamlike experience. See Mandark and the Dreammakers. And in the Nine Rovers, he penetrates into the brain worlds of others. And in Mirrors for a Queen, he uses an old book of black magic and a pentagram with mirrors at its points to reach another dimension. He firmly believed that all magic was based on on the lost science of the elder gods. But that lost science was very magical. Shaver was much influenced by the fantasy fiction of Abraham Merritt and James Branch Campbell. He believed both writers were telling true stories. In the case of Merritt's moon pool and the face in the abyss, the secret underground worlds were in this dimension. But James Branch Campbell's dream worlds were obviously in another time and space. Shaver was an omnivorous reader of mythology and romance. He had no style of his own, but he imitated whatever style fit the story he was writing. Palmer told him to write the Shaver mystery stories for Amazing in the style of Edgar Rice Burroughs, and Shaver complied. came to what I consider his best and most important work, The Tale of the Red Dwarf, and its two sequels. He wrote in a style mix of merit and Campbell. In Shaver's rambling forward to the tale of the Red Dwarf, he reveals that he is finally going to tell us the truth and tell it as fiction. There are three Red Dwarf novelettes that constitute one complete fantasy novel, but they were published from 1947 to 1949 in two different magazines. The third part, called Ernest Cliff, fully reveals Shaver's interdimensional concept, which he calls the simultane. This is an endless succession of dimensional layers, or membranes, he calls nows. Now this sounds like the strings and brains of quantum physics M-theory, but now you got to remember, this was 1949. Now, in the the backstory, Lua and Aegon seek the lair of the witch Peronia at Ernest's Cliff in their quest for magical secrets and treasures. As Lua puts it, I have read in a book that was not written on this world of other worlds like our own, separated from us only by a little slice of a thing called multi-time or space-time... or some other word meaning dimensions unknown. And it's called the simultane. That magic is the crossing and mingling of these worlds... planes of like... and the bringing of the knowledge of one into the other. And the way of this is known to the witch of Erdus Cliff. Veronia agrees to help them, but the price of her aid will be the rescue of her lost lover and her child trapped in the simultane. They ask why she has not done this herself, and she explains that someone must operate the machine to keep the gate or the or the interdimensional tube open for them to return. The tube, the two... The tube seems like a wormhole But there there were no wormholes in 1949 And if the gate reminds you of uh, TV's Stargate Well, that was 50 years later So, along with the story by Richard S. Shaver
1: And I'm quoting
0: directly from The Red Dwarf now Days passed, and Agen wore now a permanent look of fixed astonishment for all the world he knew had turned into insubstantial veils of gauze beside the realities he saw daily. And this day... They were ready, and Ferronius showed them the door that was not a door, but a flickering dread nothingness that went in and in forever into the rock or into space or where one could not see for the blue flames that licked always upward and across the tube of force. Hand in hand, they walked into the tube and along it, And the flames burned at them, and the vibrant forces of it stung their feet. But something else from behind them exhilarated and protected them. And as they walked along, courageous and with high hearts, Now through the walls they saw the naked anatomy of the simultane, and about it the immaterial, tenuous, whirling, lacy curtains of repeated nows, thin, separated only by time, as the leaves of a book unleafing in the wind. On one of these painted windows... That her world's like our own, but different, is where our quarry is trapped. Lewis' voice was strong in Egan's ear, strong and brave, yet it wavered. And as from the very awe of the terrible, repeated variance of the simultane, which mortal eyes never see, what would happen to us if the witch of Urtis shut off the great machine that throws this flow of energy upon which we walk? Asked Egan staring hard at Lewis' face, transparent now as tinted glass, a tall ghost of life wavering beside him as a thin wine glass shivers from repeated ringing blows. Well, we would wink out like two lights The wind blew upon, and this fearful tube of force with us, of course. Lua did not look at Egan, but her eyes searched. Always the fearful complexities of the repeated planes of immaterial reality. Separated by the dark nothings, she felt, were just as much as something, but something beyond her eyes, search, or her mind's grasp. We must travel to the end of this, no matter what may happen to us. For that is how the Durga of hers planned it. And then he was to return without delay, but he did not return. And neither will we without him, Agin. I could not bear her face to come back without her little son. Agen fell to watching the endless shadow play of life and the cities and works and movements of the worlds that their strange, vibrant walkways seemed to drive through as a spit through the fowl or as a sword driven through the pages of a picture book and each page was a world without end to his eyes stretching beyond sight tall towers square and endlessly windowed where little ships flew through the air and big ships plowed the oceans, and men lived and died. There on the immaterial transparence that was to him but tinted glass or the film of soap bubbles. They passed through the walls of this world of speeding planes and smoking ships and clanking machines, and another world and another and another and many another still, and each different and varied, yet monotonously the same, in a weird repetition of shapes and size, and movement, and meaning to his eyes. Far off, they could feel Firona's manipulating the terrible power that upheld them, and the tubes about them seemed to lower, and their stomachs felt the rush downward. The time she set for us has passed, and she is trying to set us exactly down where she set her man down and left him there. She has done exactly as she remembered it. And if she is right in her work, we will find some trace of him, and if not, we had better just stay where chance leaves us. And we could try and try again, Egan. If we return to the, to the tube, of course, she will know. And we'll repeat the calculations differently. Now, it seems the tube lay open before them. And they walked out on the, on the plane of the simultane, as Egan thought. But immediately they stepped upon the bare and awful rock of the ever-existent. It changed, and there was grass over soft earth, spree under their feet. And the frightening transparency of the inconsequential reality was gone. The simultane was gone from their eyes, hidden by the now reality of the world they had set their foot upon. Now some of Shaver's ideas were inspired by H. G. Wells' Time Machine. Wells' Morlocks may also have been have uh, been the model for his evil subterranean darrows, but Shaver probably believed that Wells was seeing true in the present and placing his vision in the far future. There is enough that is original, remarkable, and even prophetic in Shaver Simultane to strongly suggest that this was his private entrance to the cavern world and as true a glimpse into ultimate reality as we purblind blind mortals have yet been gifted with. In this regard, please watch and read the message that ancient Hermes Trismegistus delivers from the summit of Mount Shasta in our film Beyond the Myriad. And I will read that that before we conclude the broadcast. In the film, we have also used Shaver's simultane concept combined with modern quantum physics to recreate a modern version of Ferona's elder mech in our intergraviton. You will notice that our machine creates a vortex, much like the one described above by Richard Shaver. Now, if you're interested in learning more about the Shaver Mystery, we suggest that you order The Hidden World Number 3. That's The Hidden World Number 3. That's Mandark from Amazon, and and, and I wrote the foreword to that one. Visit uh, www.shavertron.com to check out our interview with the Shaver Authority, Richard Toronto, and order his excellent book, War Over Lemuria. Let me mention a couple things about the... Uh, about the Simultane Concept that uh, that, that I think need to be related. (sighs) The particular now that we are in, that particular now stretches all the way out to the farthest galaxy that we can see. That's part of our now. Now, it could also be well, everything we're seeing out in the night sky could also be in other nows and there could be, you know we we could be seeing we could actually be seeing seeing through uh, through a veil of nows we could uh, that's possible but there's one thing that I, that that one fact that makes this whole thing far more understandable we are now our universe that we could see, and this includes what's in what's all the way out there in space is only a small portion, a small fraction of the matter of the whole universe, the whole the whole model, let's call called the multiverse, it's only a small fraction. And if if we took all of the if we took the entire mass of the universe as we know it to be and and divided it by the fraction of of, of, of matter that we can detect in our own universe, then we have at least eleven different Levels, eleven different nows of the simultane now that and that I, I, that this is this is this is quantum physics i'm not i'm not uh i'm not making this up uh this is this is the way things are so uh the parallel worlds this parallel worlds idea is uh, not something that you can turn your that you can't say oh that's just that's ridiculous no it's not it's very 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 not only possible it, it it's probable and in a way, it's kind of frightening, and um, you know. Um, so, I, as I said, the um, the, the the concept of, of the the Hermetic Elementals, at least magonia is one of the is one of the levels, the Kingdom of Peralda, uh, which would be, more, uh, but uh, but the the uh, the Kingdom of Gob, King of the Gnomes, was was primarily the one that shaver. Uh, that shaver was dealing with uh and uh and uh, then of course he also dealt with the uh with the, the with the Queendom of nixa the queen of, uh, of the undines shaver did, had had a number of stories about the about the mermen uh and and, uh, and i i'd like to while while we're mentioning that i'd like to uh uh, to mention our good friend Bill Mustill and his and his elemental in his books on the elementals and uh, so the and gnomes and salamanders and Taylor and, uh, and his stories of the undines. That's Bill Mustill and, and his his books on, on 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 elementals and and the inter and, and the interrelation of elementals to human beings and and uh, according to Bill Mustill. Uh, you know, he 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 meets a number of, of human elementals. Uh, uh, you know, various you know sylphs and undines, and and, and uh, these are fascinating interrelation that, that, that Bill Mestel uh, recounts between between uh, human beings and, and and elementals, especially between people and undines, and uh, this. This was originally dealt with in, in uh, that hermetic book that we referred to, the Comte de Gavillais, uh, which talks about the actual marriages between, uh, between human beings and elementals. And uh, so these parallel worlds have a, have a history and in, in, in history and, and of course also have a history in folklore. Now, um, that this uh, this uh, Shiger was 1949 years before the parallel world concept was taken seriously by physicists such as Michio Kaku who wrote Parallel Worlds and published in 2004, and uh, and yet there is there was a scientist back in the 1960s who took it took the parallel worlds theory seriously. And I'm referring to the French astronomer and computer scientist Jacques Vallée in his 1969 book, Passport to Magonia. Now, Vallée amasses data of the so-called alien sightings, encounters, and abductions, starting with the Magonian incident in the 9th century France and up through the mystery airship sightings and encounters of the 1890s in the American West. And he concludes that the most probable explanation for these phenomena. Is that they are interdimensional he also suggests, although not as directly as Schaefer, that they do influence our affairs and uh, I would like to just briefly discuss the, the airship uh the airship mystery as uh, and, uh that um there was reported not only was this reported by Jacques Vallée, but it was also reported by Charles Fort. <laughs> And those of you who have been fortunate enough to see that wonderful film from the Lovecraft Historical Society, Whisperer in the Darkness, you remember, you, you know, one of the most enjoyable things in there is the is the radio debate between uh, between the professor and Charles Fort about the. Uh, about the the lobster men from from outer space in in upstate Vermont, and <laughs> this is really what I really want to recommend that film because it's right along the line of what we're of what we're dealing with tonight. It's called Whisperer in the Darkness. It's a modern version of a nineteen thirties uh, horror film, uh, beautifully done, beautifully done by these people, and I and I and I heartily recommend it. And uh, one thing we need to we need to read, as I promised I would, in our film Beyond Lemuria, And by the way, you can get this one I'm about to read, and and uh, and what I just read, uh, Shaver's uh, uh, Shaver's article on the simultane. Uh, they're both in. Uh, Beyond Lemuria second edition, and that is available from Amazon, just like Drillmaster. along with Drillmaster, Both they're both from Maelstrom Press, and, and I strongly recommend uh Beyond the Lemuria second edition because you get to see this vortex, you know, which is very much like Shaver Simultane. Now, in Beyond Lemuria, the final vision, Hermes Trismegistus, the great uh, the great classical pagan philosopher in the film portrayed by Maestro Alain Duquette, and he does a beautiful job, appears over the top of the mountain and delivers this revelation. You seek to understand why such mountains as this are sacred and holy. As the master Hermes Trismegistus, I taught you that man is a microcosm of the greater universe. As a student of our hermetic master phylos, you learned that you have all the planets of your solar system living within you, but you are closest to Mother Earth. She is the greatest planetary presence within your spiritual body. So when you climb a sacred mountain in a spiritual state of mind, you are ascending to the heights of your own planetary sphere. You become one with the Earth. As she reaches to the heavens, in Kabbalistic terms, you are aspiring to Kether Malkuth. If you wonder why we have myths and legends of mysterious temples that appear in sacred mountains and strange creatures that inhabit the caverns beneath them, then you might ask yourself: How far does this microcosmic universe within yourself extend? How many previous lifetimes have you lived on this planet? How many other lives in other dimensions are you living right now? We see an endless march of worlds going on and on beyond our conception, and yet it is only one dimension that we perceive. There is an invisible infinity of parallel and adjacent universes Just outside of our limited perception in which our counterparts, our shadows and reflections live and die behind dark curtains that most can never part except in dreams. And this whole vast interconnected multiverse belongs to each of us alone. We are the masters of our own personal cosmic infinity, where life imitates art, and art imitates life, and everything in creation is a metaphor. You carry heaven and hell in your own pocket, as above, so below, as within, so without. In our philosophy, these other dimensions are considered to be levels of reality, There are many sub-levels and super-levels, but three essential realities include them all. Your personal reality, your shared reality, and the ultimate reality. To resolve these three realities into one, you must find that still, silent center point within yourself, where the veiled light we call God resides. You will find God nowhere else. Uncover that light and let it shine forth from within you, for that light is the ultimate reality. It transforms your personal reality and it illuminates your shared reality. To the one who is illuminated, all others are reflections and aspects of himself. This is the one source of his compassion and the true measure of his morality. However, I must leave you with a warning. Wisdom and immortality are the treasures of enlightenment. But no one else can give you that which is yours to find within yourself. No one else can make the decisions for you. Good and evil are for you alone to define. In darkness you may find the light, or beyond the light you may discover darkness. For in truth, you can't have one without the other. The choice must always be yours and that wisdom of Hermes I think is is uh, as I say that's the spiritual sense that's worth the that's worth the price of the whole video which of course is fairly reasonable it's only nine dollars <laughs> and uh, you know uh, we, we didn't mention them we didn't talk too much about the mystery airship uh but uh that that's the final the, the, you know the final culmination in modern in fairly modern times of the magonian of the magonian airships back in the 18 in the 1880s there were all these sightings from california on through to the midwest and 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 all you know uh, down the mississippi and the missouri all the way down to texas of this of this airship uh this this dirigible and uh it ranged in size from uh from sixty feet long to uh you know to hundreds of feet long and, and it uh it was it was really a, a an airship that was that was far ahead of its time as uh, and and uh and it it was uh, there were newspaper articles about it, and the and the, 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 the 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 airship uh, crews were taking people for rides, and they were going over farms and 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 uh, and, and asking farmers to let them, you know, the, the, to fill up their milk their their milk pails and um, and. Uh, and uh, they're stopping for you know for repairs and various things, uh, and these were these were reported. There were there were there were hundreds of reports uh, and, and newspaper articles and and, uh, and all of the about this this phenomenon. And then, and and eventually this this vehicle crashed down in Texas, and and uh, uh, the remains of it supposedly got got pilfered uh, and nobody knows where they are now but but this this was all very well documented in newspaper articles and uh, it, it it sounds it's it sounds almost like a like a sort of a modern rerun of the of, 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 the, of the Magonian thing uh, or a, a presage of the UFO uh, encounters uh, but uh, you know, if you read the Wikipedia article on it, the mystery airships, uh, they they debunk it by saying, Well, yeah, there really were some experimental craft like that that were being made and all that. But to tell you the truth, I suspect that that all these reports of the experimental craft that were that were that were being uh, from all the way from eighteen sixty three, I'm not sure that those those experimental craft, or actually, if they existed, uh, I'm not sure if they existed in this contiguous uh, slice of the simultaneous. They might have been in somebody else's. Uh, the debunking sounds much like the development of the so called Brill Society flying saucers back in Germany in the 1920s and 30s all of which seem very well documented with photos and blueprints we have to ask ourselves did the real project occur in the now of our continuity or somewhere else in the simultane now we wonder this this brings up the question is there an area 51 in magonia and and of course what we've been discussing tonight brings up a number of questions remember i said and only a small portion of the physical matter of the universe exists in our now simultaneous in the in the contiguous now that we can detect. And that includes going that includes everything we're seeing through the Hubble telescope and all the way out to the furthest galaxies. And I'm not saying that if we look all the way out to the Big Bang, I'm not saying I'm not trying to say that that, 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 that we're not seeing through other nows. We may be. But as far as we can detect, in our universe is only a small portion of the actual material in the total universe, which means that there are at least at least eleven other dimensions and probably a great deal more after that. So with that in mind, let's let's remember i remember i said i was going to take you down the rabbit hole tonight okay let let's let's ask ourselves some questions does peppy the frog travel between dimensions is there a now where hillary is president can people from trump's now which is the now we are in visit or immigrate to hillary's now and does fake news originate in another now and if so How is it transmitted to this now? (laughs) And do we have personal counterparts in other nows? How many nows can we live in simultaneously? Can we die in one now and be born or continue living in another? Can we develop an interdimensional inter-now internet? Oh boy, do we already have one? Do people from other nows influence us with mind control? If we go crazy in this now, could we be normal, or are we normal in another now? Well, that's enough questions about nows for now. I told you we'd take you down the rabbit hole, so good magic, and we'll be back next week in whatever now your Internet happens to be connected to. Good night.